What's up, all you peasants out there that are listening to us? We appreciate it. Um, before we get into this episode, we have a little bit of a giveaway. A little bit of a spooky giveaway for October. All you gotta do is like our page and like the post on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and then you tag three of your friends in the comments and also share the same post. Um, and then your name will be put into a drawing and we will draw and announce the winner uh, the 21st of October. So y'all, y'all remember that. You gotta do all three of those things and y'all can win a spooky gift basket. And there's going to be a lot of good stuff in there. We might, uh, later on, we'll tell you what's all going to be in there, but it'll definitely be worth your time. Um, but whoever wins, we'll, we'll send you a little gift basket. Thank you, and uh, let's get on with the episode. Welcome back uh, to Stuck in a SideQuest podcast. I'm here with Tyler. Hello. Scott. What it do? Katie. Hey. And Trevor. Hey. And of course, myself. Today, we're going to be talking about some true crime um, cases. Um, I just want to kind of start off with a trigger warning. It's going to be kind of a little bit more serious than usual. Um, I love true crime. And I like listening to the different stories and what can be going on. I like to get into the minds of what the detectives are going through and um, some of the stories of the victims. It's something that I really enjoy listening to. But I do want to um, just send our condolences to the families that we're talking about today that were involved in these cases. And we want to respect the deaths of their loved ones. And um, we're just we just want to be really serious about it and not joke around too much about these families. But anyways, we can get right into it. Mine's from 1886. We can joke about mine. They won't know. <laughs> Some of ours are fairly recent. And I think we tried to stick with cases close in our area just, um, just because it hits more to home. And I, I feel like it can be more interesting. And not everybody knows about these cases. This is for spooky October. Mm-hmm. Spooky season. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Like, Spooks. Just looking, when Spooks. I looked online, I had no idea that any of these happened. Yeah. And I was like looking through like lists of different stuff, and I was like, yeah. And it's like in your backyard. Like yeah. these like, things are real. They're happening. Mine is probably the more known one out of all of them. I mean, there's a TV show on it, so. Well, maybe. You know, well, not a everybody. TV show that has well, it in it. People have probably heard about it, but they may not know. Because, like, I've heard of that case, but I don't know, I any, don't of know any of the details. I don't know any of the details at all. Mm-hmm. I also want to say that I'm really into true crime because uh, it is one of my biggest fears to get murdered, I think. And the fact that we're talking about stuff that's happened in this area is going to really freak me out probably after we get done. But I, I do like the history behind it and their process that goes behind it as well so anyways we'll start off with um my case my case is about the lovely lauren giddings she is from maryland at uh, maryland is it maryland maryland it's maryland maryland, maryland. okay maryland. <laughs> she's from the maryland that's my course. country coming out um she's from maryland and she came to macon georgia 
to go to law school at Mercer University. She was studying criminal law. Her boyfriend's from Atlanta. Um, she was an extremely nice person. Like, uh, give the shirt off of her back to anybody who needs it type of person. And she really cared about people. She was very kind. Um, she wanted everybody to be involved in everything. She, she never wanted it to be clicky at all. Um, and she went to school with Stephen McDaniel, who would later murder her. And actually, she stuck up for him a lot. Like, they would study together, and, like, she would ask him to come to parties with her. And she, she wanted him to be involved just as much as everybody else, even though he was the weird kid. He was the type of guy who wore chainmail around places and... He had um, swords and knives and things, and he would keep them around everywhere. He was a he was a different character. Like he didn't fit into the social norms, but she wanted him to fit in. So they ended up graduating together, and they lived in the same apartment building in um, downtown Macon, like right across from the school. And um, so one day. Um, her sister hadn't got a call or text, but she was studying for the bar at the time. So she knew she'd be off the grid, but she hadn't gotten anything in several days. And so she was freaking out a little bit. So she was like, I'm going to call the police. The police come over. Um, and so do, um, the media, the media comes over too after they found out that there was a body in the trash can outside because the police searched everywhere. She wasn't anywhere to be found. And then they smelled a dead body outside and it was in the trash can. And we found out later on that if that sister wasn't so quick at calling the police, the trash was going to be picked up that day and the case would have gone cold. Oh, my, oh my gosh. gosh. Yeah. So it, they got really lucky. And it was lucky that they all knew what the smell smelled like. Like, they knew there was a dead body right. close by. Right. This is by. not normal trash. Like, this is there's something seriously wrong here. So anyways, the media comes out. And, um, you know, this is big news in Macon. Um, finding a dead body in a trash can. That's not something you normally hear about every day. So they come up, and um, who's there to talk to the news? Stephen McDaniel. <laughs> he's first on the scene to talk to the media. Yes, and he he's like, yeah, like I see her running every day. Like, I kind of know her schedule. I haven't seen her in a few days. Wow, that's not suspicious. <laughs> yes. I know her every move. Like, uh, she was my friend. We were studying for the bar. And he was studying for criminal law, too. Like, they were in everything together. And, they, you know, they lived in the same building. And you know what your neighbors are doing. You know, you, you see what they're doing all the time. But he took it to a different level. But he, he was talking to the news. And so once they found the body, police started questioning him. And they were like, what's going on? So he agrees to talk to the police. And um, he agrees to let them search the house. They find a master key in his house. And um, basically, he admitted to going into other people's apartments and stealing condoms. What? That's what he admitted to. And so, so anyways. This dude does sound like a freak. Just He's a go freak. buy some condoms. Like, why? You could just... Steal them. <laughs> <laughs> he had a master key, so he's like, I mean, might as well go somewhere else. How did, hold on, risk it, it for the biscuit. Is there a reason why this man had a master key? 
I'd be like, do you know? I, I thought I remember hearing, this could be wrong, so don't take this to heart, but I thought I remember him, he, remember hearing that, like, he and the janitor were pretty close, and, like, he needed a master key one day, and he oh copied God. it or something. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you tell your story, because this may come up. Are you going to say anything else about the janitor? No, go ahead. So, I know the janitor that you're talking about. Really? Yeah, and I'm not going to name his name. <laughs> you can find it on, so, on like on news articles if you want to, but he was originally a suspect. And then yes. It, early on was found out it wasn't him, but I know him. <laughs> mm. And he's a lawyer in Macon. <laughs> oh, my you gosh. You can cut that out if you want, but he's a lawyer in Macon. What year was this? This was in 2010. 2010, 2011. This is still pretty fresh. Yeah, like, not that long ago. Anyway, so they kept searching around his apartment. They ended up finding, of course, like, her underwear there. And um, some flash flash drives with child porn on it. Uh, Of course. A bunch of stolen condoms. (laughs) I guess. Oh, and he also had a lot of weapons around the house anyway. So they knew that something was going on. And they ended up testing the area. They could see that there was her DNA everywhere. And they figured out that he was the one who had killed her. In his apartment? In her apartment. Oh, in her apartment. I think. Yeah, he went back and he cut her up. But they found, like, the weapon and stuff in his apartment as well. So, wait, she was, like, dismembered in the dumpster? Yes. Like, it wasn't just, like, he just dumped They the They found her torso in the um, trash can outside. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, that was the only part they found in that trash can. I didn't know that she was dismembered like that. Yeah. In fact, I think they still haven't found her skull. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. But he did throw it away in different trash cans around Macon. Like, he just would put an arm here, a leg there. So, it's, it's in a landfill somewhere. Yeah, probably. So, this is like, I guess, you know, this is at Mercer, like the dorms and stuff at Mercer, right? It's at an apartment building right across from... That, like, they weren't at the dorms. Right, but It wasn't at the lofts, though, was it? No, it okay. was... In fact, I'll, I'll show y'all. <laughs> Me and Mom, on her birthday, we drove by because we had been talking about it for a while. And we just were looking at the apartments because that's so interesting to me that a crime happened there and that people are still living there. Yeah. And, like, they... Like, there's probably still hacksaw marks on the tub... I don't know. They probably remodeled. Oh yeah, no. I hope they, they probably remodeled that. Yeah. Um. Okay, y'all have seen this news? I I just I I just I just looked this up. Y'all have seen this fucking news thing when he's talking to the news and she's like, "Yeah, I know about her. Yeah, she's a good girl." And she's like, "Well, he's, she's dead." And he was like, "She's dead." Yeah, and he starts freaking out. I've seen it on TikTok before. Jesus, I didn't know that was fucking making. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, the thing is, though, Lauren knew that something was going on in her apartment days before. She would come home. She would see things have moved. She would notice that her underwear was gone. And she had emailed her boyfriend the day prior and said, I'm freaked out. Somebody's in my house. I can tell that something's going on. But she kind of played it off as like, oh, I live in Macon. It's like whatever's going on here some some other college kid is what messing with things i don't know what what you still doing there not in my house bro <laughs> yeah i don't care if it's me i think she did try to get she tried to get out but she couldn't figure out how to get out of release and she was trying to 
Fuck the lease. I would have got out. She was trying to study for the bar too. I mean, like she. This was a rough time in her life where she had to focus so hard and she couldn't think about things. Maybe I'm losing it. I got too much stress. I just need to get through this bar. I mean, that's true. She's probably mainly just focusing on school. I mean, I have a feeling when I take my rad tech exam the day before, I'm not going to be thinking about if somebody has smelled my underwear in my house. You know, (laughs) that is a huge fear of mine that someone just comes into my house and messes with my things sniffs your underwear maybe i mean a stalker <laughs> like <Tyler>. guilty <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay oh, <geez>. joking <laughs> so why did he kill her from what we saw it was just because um she he wanted her all to himself he didn't want her to be with anybody else and he because she was nice to him, he was hers. <laughs> That's awful for me because my life goal is to be nice to everybody no matter what happens. But now I have to remember that there is a potential that I can get murdered because this has happened really close to us. <laughs> like, this is people that li- that went to the Kroger I've been to, you know? Right. Like, that's so crazy to think about. Like, we could have passed each other at some point. I mean, I would have been a kid, but... I mean, it's kind of crazy how, like, you read about a bunch of these, like, big serial killers, and, I mean, even if they're not that big, but their motives are so similar to that, to where it's like, you know, somebody showed them a little bit of kindness, and they became obsessed with this person, and then they end up murdering them, because it's like, they have, like, this sense that, like, you're with me forever if I murder you, and it's it's just... It's and you're weird. not, like, right. like that's not wasn't how that, it really works. Wasn't that what happened with that one singer, the... the Selena. Selena. Yeah, yeah, I mean, kind of. I mean, I feel like that's that's a that's like one of the main things. A lot of these like psychotic people. Yeah, the ones like you hear that 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 one girl was nice to them or showed them any type of affection, not right. necessarily sexual. You know what I mean? Some of the Just evidence. Anything, and they they latch onto it, and then they pretty much just like sign in their death sentence. Yeah, some of the evidence they found was they looked at his search history and saw that he was watching violent porn while he was also on another device looking at her social media. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's a little suspicious there. Yes. And um, so anyways, he, later on, he, he did go to prison, and he admitted to guilt. It did take him a while. In fact, he tried to appeal things. He was trying to get out of it. Like, th- there was some sort of evidence that that made him want to appeal his case. But anyways, he got tried. He admitted that... Um, he killed her, and what he says happened that night was he got into the house, she was sleeping, and she was watching her sleep. He was watching her sleep, and she woke up, and she freaked out, and she was like, why are you in here? And then he strangled her. Jesus. Yeah. Man, so telling how many times he's watched her sleep, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, been in there. Yeah. No, I mean, really. He like, could have been in there multiple. That could have happened multiple times. It could times. have been happening oh, yeah. every night for months. Yeah, yeah. Especially after he got that key. In fact, they also saw that he had a pole that he would connect a camera to to look in her window to kind of scope out the room before he got the master key to go in there. So this man was like super obsessed. Super obsessed, yes. So anyways, just to kind of wrap some things up, I'm glad he went to prison. It scares me to death that this could happen to me one day. I'm glad that I have Tyler to protect me in that way. I was going to say, that night, uh, that shit fell in the garage oh. you would tell it or you would trevor just walk on out there 
Tyler's the only one that's like, let me get a gun just in case there is a motherfucker out here. <laughs> Meanwhile, I grab Ari and I'm running to the back of the house. <laughs> I never thought Haley was like, do you need your gun? <laughs> I had a show. Uh, yeah. I was about to touch it too. Yeah, and I you got know how <laughs> right here, welcome to the gun show. That's all I need. I was even debating hiding in Tyler's light. closet at one point because I was like, if there's someone really out there and I hear a gunshot, like I'm going to have to j- jump in there with Ari. You shocked me because I, it was didn't like register to me, but you were like, Ari, come back here. And I was like, oh shit, what's going on? What's happening? Like my heart started pounding and I was like, Ugh. When it comes to dangerous things happening, I'm... Like, my mom is really bad about, like, standing there and, like, in shock. And so, I've just picked up the pieces where, like, if something's happened, like, one time, when y'all went to church, that one time that guy was had to have CPR performed on him, my mom just stood there and, like, watched it. And I was like, okay, Ivy, let's go around this way. There's nothing happening. He just feels bad. <laughs> but but it was scary. Yeah. yeah. Praise the Lord. But, but mom was just standing there. I was like, maybe we should pray about it real quick. And then I said, all right, Ivy, let's go this way. <laughs> That's all I have for my story. All right. So we got a, a little challenge for our friend um, over on. She's on a, a lot of stuff, TikTok, YouTube. But um, she is actually the cooking maiden her um i guess handle the at or whatever is cooking underscore maiden we're gonna give her a little challenge on something to make uh, a little recipe because that's what she does she uh kind of like open fire type like fantasy uh medieval stuff she makes foods it's actually a lot of foods look really good but um we're gonna give her a little challenge we're gonna challenge her with making the Moonshay seafood rice. It's a elvish dish from Dungeons and Dragons. Y'all be looking out for that. Her again. Her handle is at cooking underscore maiden. That's her thing. I look forward to seeing what what she does with that. All right. So I. And we'll be talking about the Atlanta murders of 97, or 1979 and 1981, also known as the Atlanta Child Murders. Um, his name was Wayne Williams. He was a, from African-American descent. His murders were committed in Atlanta. I mean, that's why it's called the Atlanta Child Murders. But between July 1979 to May 1981, a two-year two period and at least 28 children were killed. Ranging from there were the thirty victims ranging from seven to twenty eight. So it's not all children then. How could they categorize categorize it as six? Six of them cereal. Six if, of them were in their twenties. The rest of them were seventeen and below. Mm-hmm. They were. It's a little so gnarly. Like 20, There's twenty a, of them were children, pretty much. Yes. There. Yeah, um, but how can you link all those together when they're also different in that way this is this is one thing about this case that gets me is that all of them some of them have the same cause of death but they're all different like his first victim edward smith was shot 
in the back with a twenty two. He's the only victim that was shot out of all thirty victims. So like maybe they were looking for someone to blame on that one, do you feel like or Yes. There's a bunch. Well, he only has two common traits in his victims, which was location, which they were all from um Residing in Memorial Drive and the 11 cross streets. I don't know what that is in Atlanta. Like Memorial Drive and all the cross streets at every red light. Yes. So they were all on that strip. Yes. I guess. (laughs) I guess. Uh, Yeah, that and race. They were all black. And um, most of them were male. Three of them were females. And uh, including... Three of them were females, including a seven-year-old who was Latonia Wilson. That was pretty messed up. But um, all his all his victims would go missing, disappear for a couple of days, and be found dead somewhere. And uh, Is there a trend for any of the other murders on how the murder went through? Other right. than that one person getting shot. Like, was it like a strangling I mean, or like a... There's, there's a couple undetermined. There's a bunch of strangulations and asphyxiations. And uh, like stab wounds... Blunt force trauma to the head. There's a couple of those. But a lot of these were... he's a, He was only tried for two of the killings, which were his... Um, ones that happened... They were, the two were... Out of the last four deaths, people he killed, only two of those he was tried for. And those are the only two he's ever been tried for. All these other ones are just attributed to him saying he did this but they don't know for sure because they don't have any evidence no so so he never admitted to any of these or no he ple- he he hasn't admitted to any of them he's he's still alive today and he still pleads his innocence and stuff did he just take a sentence then uh no no he uh well, let me get where it talks about this or was, was he tried probably, yeah I was gonna say they he was tried he was in he went trial on uh, um February 27th, 1982, so about his, it started in December of 1981, and then on February 27th, 1982, after 11 hours of deliberation, the jury found him guilty of two murders, and he was sentenced sentenced to two consecutive life terms, so he's not getting out. And if there was enough evidence to even prove that he had killed those two people, I do believe he probably killed those two people, but all 30? That's that's a big number, especially when they're all so different. Well, that, that sounds like some weird police work going on there. Like, yeah, yeah. it sounds like, it, it sounds like a dump. Work. Like, we have a lot of killings on the street, and we can't find who killed them. And this we want to make these mamas our, feel like we found they have an answer. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And it, you said it was over two years, twenty-two months. That's ridiculous. That, but did they stop after I mean, he that's got arrested? Not that yes. Ridiculous. Now, I mean, okay. for that that's, one area, that, yeah. that many people have died in that one area. I, I, that's not that ridiculous. I mean, it is Atlanta. That's I mean, why everybody uh, says serial like, killers do that. See, now there could have been. See, I, I have a lot of theories with this one. There could have been someone else, one more person that was doing this too, and then he gets caught, and that person sees like, oh shit, <laughs> and I just stopped move. yeah. and moved. On somewhere, but he, yeah, it all stopped after he got arrested, and um, 
he kind of looks like a murderer. Got the uh, how they made these glasses on with the afro, <laughs> and kind of had a Dahmer look to him. Yes. Like, they said Bundy over the four years had like could have had over like a hundred. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and Bundy actually went through Georgia several times while he was doing his killing spree as well. Is just thinking crazy. about the fact that there's people just driving around from state to state, but the mm, goal of murdering, murdering people is terrifying. I've known people that have gotten kidnapped around here, and like it, like it was not that far away from here, and they were driving them through the state. And so, like, there was this kidnapped person driving next to potentially me at some point, you know? And what's real scary is that these guys, or not just guys, but these people that do this, they don't have any motive whatsoever other than just to do evil, horrible things. Like, But, so, they're all, all these kids and stuff are from this area, but their bodies were found in Atlanta, of course, Fulton County, which is Atlanta. Uh, DeKalb County, Cobb County, and Douglas County. That's where all the bodies were found. And it, that also is another thing, like, this man just go around spreading the bodies out, I guess? That's... Yeah, like, yeah, well, because they're I all would, from the same this, area. I wouldn't put them in the same place. Yeah. Um, hold on. The FBI had a big part in this. This is also shown in the show uh, Mind Hunters on Netflix. Can't remember when it's shown. It's like second season. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, uh, it's that's the whole second season. It's yeah. touch. I mean, that's all. That shit's all fictional, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Fictional. Like it's not. The based. FBI agents are fictional, but right. the murderers that they talk about are not fictional. Yeah, right. You're right. But Man, yeah, and they're based loosely based on because that's when they're making the serial killer. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, in June twenty first of twenty twenty one. Uh, the mayor of Atlanta, not going to say a name, going to murder it, um, reopened the cases in hopes that new technology will lead to convictions for the murders just to get it set in stone that he was the one that killed them. And uh, Which isn't it crazy? Like It's been over a year and But they probably changed. kept evidence with the DNA on it. And like that's crazy to me how they can go back from cases and retest with DNA and figure out something completely different than before. Now, there is one thing that was found on uh, the victim's bodies that were that kind of got him a little bit was the fabric that was found on their bodies was also the fabric that was in his parents' house. That was the carpet. Mm-hmm. And um, his dog's hair was on the, bo- the victims of the bodies. And they... That's a pretty dead giveaway, I think. Yeah, and uh, the fabrics from inside his car and stuff. Well, he was caught. So, uh, this is touched on in Mindhunter 2. They, a bunch of police and FBI agents just started staking out every bridge because one had an, a hunch that he's throwing these kids off a bridge because a bunch of the bodies washed up places. And so, they went to like seven or eight of the major bridges that go over rivers in Atlanta and surrounding area and sat there and waited. Well, uh, I don't know why, but two cops were under the bridge in the car or like right next to it. And they heard a splash 
And so the cop was like, so they get out and they walk up there and see a white car taking off. So they end up chasing them down and they pull them over. They stopped the station wagon a half mile from the bridge. The driver was, oh, he was 23 years old. So while he was killing people, he started at 21 and he's my age and he's killed 30 people. I couldn't fathom doing that at this age. Like 40s. But, oh, okay. Yeah. So later in life, maybe. Maybe. So no. you might go crazy on later down the line. Um, He was a supposed music producer, per, promoter, and a freelance photographer. And uh, he would get these kids to come to him by... Damn it, I had it. He acted like a... Um, like he wanted... Like a talent agent? Yeah. Yes. He was working for a business called Gemini. Or something like that. And that's how you get all these kids to come at, come to him and then you kill him. Yeah, the dog, hair, and fibers recovered from the rear of the vehicle were later on. Not, not, yeah, yeah were on their bodies. But, uh, yeah, he dumped that kid off the bridge. And though that one and another one were the only two he was tried for. And... I can't even imagine holding a dead body. I don't you even have. think. What do you mean? Are you talking about Skippy? <laughs> oh, God. That's that, not a body. That does not count. <laughs> um, yeah, I would get into every single one of these because I have it pulled up right here where it gets into every single one of these uh, victims and how they were found and stuff, but I would be here all day because... I read slow. <laughs> but it's mostly at bridges in the water. and they, Or a wooded area. They found the bodies in a wooded area. Mm-hmm. It's just, to me, this, just, this is so sketchy because all the cases are just so different. The only things that are normal about it is race and location. But, like, how they died. I mean, yeah, for sure they could have blamed. You would have thought. They could have put some on him, but, I mean, he could have been 15 and... There could have been other killers out there. Well, yeah, but you would have thought that by Kill 10, he would have had it down how he was going to kill everybody else. What was the easiest way? Because usually serial killers have routines. Yeah, but sometimes they don't, too. Well, yeah, he's still alive. Um, He's he's still in prison. I think he's in uh, Hancock State Prison in Sparta, Georgia. Did he get the death sentence? No, he got two consecutive life sentences. So, oh well, yeah, he, he got about fifty years. They stopped the electric chair I mean, in the seventies. Yeah. Well, I can go ahead and promise you that once he's about to get out, or his time's about to come up, he's going to get tried for another one of those, and they're going to keep him in there. Oh yeah. I can go ahead and tell you that that's going to happen. Well, that's why they opened the case up again, probably. Yes. Um. Yeah, because he's been in prison for 40 years. Yeah, it was 40 years when she when the mayor opened it back up. It's been 40 years since the murders. So we'll see, we might see something soon about it. <laughs> that Maybe. They're just going to pin the rest of the 28 murders on him. But, uh, yeah, it just sucks. They were all, a bunch of them were children, and, like, even the ones in their 20s were... I mean, they were young and yeah, sucks. Especially the ones, the Latonia Wilson. I'm probably saying that wrong. Latonia is actually how it's spelled. Seven years old. 
That that one's undetermined and unsolved, unresolved. Undetermined how she died. Which means forty years later, they were probably so mutilated or decomposed that probably. Well, that and at the time, I mean, forensics and stuff like that wasn't as crazy as it is now. Yeah. So. No, and that's another thing I want to touch on. Whoever back in the day thought about who made the rape kits back in the day, knowing they can't test them, but hey, we can test, we'll probably be able to test them in the future, deserves every award there is. That's what Nobel I'm saying. Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, they did that. I think they did that with a lot of stuff, like with blood and everything. And they're like, one day we're going to be able to test this shit. Yeah, and Maybe it's not right now, really but. not that far down the road. So many cold cases are getting solved because of rape kits that were taken in the 60s and 70s and stuff, and they can go back and trick, get the DNA in the suspect that got away, and then next thing you know, I mean, he's been free for the last 40 years, but he's 89 years old and gets put back in prison. <laughs> but, yeah, that's there's a lot more on the Atlanta child murders. I think you should look it up, but that's my little touch on it. It is very unsettling and kind of depressing, but it's very interesting. Who's going next? I'll be out there if y'all just want to go around the table, I guess. Sure. All right, so my murders, well, murders, is actually about Shirley and Russell Derman. And. They were two husband and wife that retired from Atlanta and moved down to Laco County. And they lived in uh, the Great Water Subdivision. It's a gated community. Isn't that over there by, like, the Milledgeville area? Yeah. Like Dublin-ish? in that area. Oh, no, Dublin. No. Well, I mean, no. I don't know. Georgia geography. It's, like, 10 minutes from Eatonton. Okay. On Laco County and stuff like that. But... So they um, they moved over there, and I mean, this is like a, I mean, it's a really nice neighborhood, like six, seven hundred thousand dollar houses, and they um, were murdered, or well, they weren't, I guess we don't know when the exact day they were murdered, but they were discovered on May 6, 2014. Um, the husband was found in the garage, and he, he was actually decapitated. Like, his head was gone. And there was actually towels around his body. And there's a thing that talked about whoever the kids... This case is unsolved. They've never figured out who murdered Mm -hmm. these two people. But there was actual towels around his body. And they think that, like, the killer just laid them down so that it wouldn't seep out from the garage. And Mm -hmm. it would take longer to figure out what went on. But they were actually discovered by some friends because they missed a Kentucky Derby party. That they were supposed to attend, and I believe it was about 10, 10 days later. Okay, never mind. Three days it took because three days prior to that they were supposed to attend the party, and some family friends are the ones that discovered him in the garage. And going to the house, they could not find the wife. Well, come to find out, like a week later, she was discovered in the lake by a fisherman oh. and with hers her death was to blunt force trauma it wasn't like nothing crazy like with the guy but she was discovered there and 
it's kind of crazy because they, they these people were like 80 years old. Right. Like they, they said that they had no enemies, this or that, and it didn't really make any sense who would get into this gated community and just targeted that one family. Because it also appeared that like nothing was stolen. Hmm. These two people were just murdered and... There's, For no reason. Yeah, I mean, there's really point. nothing else behind it. They're um, looking at families of skinwalkers. Well, they actually, that was the first, like, people that they went and, like, questioned and everything was the family, but all of them had alibis or this or that, and, I mean, it, they come to find out it wasn't anyone in the family. Hmm. But. I mean, imagine being a fisherman, fishing. Yeah. And, and then finding a body. That was another thing. She was tied down. She had center blocks tied down. <gasps> So they Jeez. thought this through. Oh yeah. When why didn't why didn't he? Well, I mean, did they ever find the head? What what happened with his uh, head? Like, I why didn't they just throw him in the I lake? I did some research, and as of right now, I don't believe they found the head. Oh, oh my gosh. So it's probably in the lake. But why wouldn't they throw the rest of his well, body in the lake? It doesn't actually disclose whether or not like it, the head was missing, but it said he was decapitated. Okay. It doesn't say anything else. So I mean, I guess it could have been there, but. Past him just being decapitated, that's all that was there, which is still kind of, kind of crazy. Like decapitated somebody in their garage, like, and just leave them there. Yeah. Um. There was one thing about this murder, because again, it didn't make any sense, and they have no leads on it. Um, and all the leads that they did have went cold. Hmm. There was one other murder that happened up in New York. And it had similar vibes to it. Right. So I can find it right here. So like somebody had killed someone in New York and then had come down to Georgia and killed these two. And you said 80-year-olds? Yeah, they were 88 and 87. And so there was a similar murder in New York of a Lois Colley. She was 83, and she was found bludgeoned to death in her North Salem estate on November 9th of the same year. Hmm. And... The weird, the thing that connects them is that the elderly victims, they were all very wealthy, and again, nothing was taken from either one of the homes, um, and there was no forced entry to the locations. Both of the houses were just unlocked when they discovered these bodies. That's probably telling you to lock the damn door. Or what if it was like their caretaker or something that they that nobody knew about or. There's so many like directions you could go with this. Like, yeah, so, like they had like a tying cinder blocks to their feet and decapitating. Like that sounds like some mafia shit. Well, but it also sounds like personal. Like somebody knew them. Like, yeah, they put some energy and time and thought into this. It wasn't just a random walk by. No, you don't carry well, cinder blocks, right? <laughs> and the weapons and stuff like that using this. So the lady that was murdered up in New York was murdered by a fire extinguisher. She was bludgeoned to death with a fire extinguisher. Like the back of the head or the front of the head? It didn't specify. Uh. It just said she was beat to death with a fire extinguisher. Probably both. Yeah, probably. And another weird thing that connects these two... I, I was thinking a fire hydrant. <laughs> <laughs> Where the fuck this man get a fire hydrant? I was like, this man's crafty. This <laughs> <laughs> on PCB. Yeah. Or woman. Yeah. Whichever one. Don't I know that. that's. It makes me think of like maybe a caretaker because they thought maybe they could get something out of it. I don't like. The, I just need motive. Like why, if you're not going to steal I don't anything? Know. The only, like I said, and one other connection that was weird about this was that. If I have to change your bed one more time, I'm murdering you. Well, the lady, like that's Holly was 
the lady in New York, she owned fast food restaurants, like big franchise, like that's how they made their money and that's how they were rich. The lady, Collie, up in New York owned over a hundred McDonald's. And then the family that over a hundred McDonald's. Yes, over a hundred McDonald's. What did the family own? Because I thought you said they were the other family were retired. Or... They did retire, but they still owned. It was like Wendy's and one other fast food location. There's too many similarities right. in these cases. But again, they've never found anything. There was some new. Ev- they say it's new evidence. There's some new studies that came up about this, and the detectives were talking about how they are able to get new information off of their cell phones, but they didn't really specify what the information was, and they just hope that it's going to lead to more leads. And, right. I mean, as of right now, everything's just kind of cold when it comes to these cases, but it's really weird how they're so connected on different things, which could just be a coincidence, you know, but who knows. How much you want to bet they're going to come out with something here soon with, like, iPhone and, like, Android and... You're not going to know your phone does it, but it's going to log when you're in the presence of, like, another phone. And so, like... It probably already does that. Yeah. Yeah. And it probably already records us, possibly. And if not, that is probably coming soon. Yeah, well, please start using that. Be like, we have your iPhone at the scene. Well, Apple iPhone is, uh, if you have, like, child porn and stuff, they report you. They can see into your pictures and stuff. I'm glad they do that. Yeah. Um, that was like at work. Uh, one of the guys were following me home because I had to let him use my shower. This doesn't have to be in there. But, uh, you know, when something's like, like if there's an air tag following you, it lets you know. Yeah. Well, he has the, the, the fucking AirPod Pros or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when while he was driving behind me to my house, it was like, there's AirPod Pros following you around. And it does it to me all day at work. It would be like, these AirPod Pros are following you around. I'm like, yeah, I'll fucking work. I work with them. But it doesn't do they it like you're about to get murdered. with yours. Because it'll tell me when I'm in the vicinity of them. Mine doesn't do that. They're probably stolen. But Also, mine, when I got mine, they do this weird thing. Because I listen to them at work. And then when I take them out and go to the car, they're still on my keychain in the car with me. But it says, your AirPod Pros were last seen at blah, 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 at the location I was at. Even if I just walk outside. Mine does that too. My other ones never did that. The regular AirPods. I think it's because they added more of a tracking, better tracking onto these than the old ones did. Well, mine's like, it doesn't update unless I open them to use them. That's when it updates where they're at. But if they're closed, like if I keep them closed and I go back and forth from work and stuff, it's not going to say until I open them up. And that's where they're last seen at. It's like last used, I guess. That's just crazy. Anything else? Yeah, there was one other note about the McDermott murders that they that police took, which I think it's kind of irrelevant to them. Um their son Mark was killed in a drug deal in Atlanta 15 years prior to it and mm-hmm. that's all the police added to the case like like they just wanted to out this man yeah but I mean the son's <laughs> been dead for 15 years I mean what what are you thinking that like unless they were for I mean, something they came and unless they the were in the drug business as well 
Yeah, I don't know. It just they could have been going well, after you... the son's killer, and then the killer came after them. What or... if these old people Cartel? were connected from Georgia to New York, and they were was running drugs through the McDonald's and Wendy's, and they got got. Yeah, it was McDonald's. Los Poros Hermanos from Breaking <laughs> los, Bad. Los Poyos Hermanos. Poyos Hermanos. The, uh, the other fast what, food what chain parties. Los Poros Pol- Nemanos. Yeah. <laughs> los Oreos Nemanos. <laughs> I don't know how to speak Spanish, okay? Neither one of the murders are, they're still like, they were never discovered who murdered these people. And there's just a lot of similarities between them. And it's really weird that nothing was stolen from either one of these locations, especially how wealthy these people were. I mean, that was only because eight years ago. Because it was by another wealthy person. They didn't um, fund the money. Maybe you're right. I mean, a business partner. Yeah. The, that seems pretty likely. I do, I do believe that there's a lot of sketchy shit that went on behind this. Like, I mean, maybe. No one, there's no, going to be stuff nobody knows. Yeah, no one just... I mean, I know there's crazy ass people out there, but I really highly doubt no one just is just gonna walk up in this house and decapitate this man, toss the blocks to her legs, and throw her in the fucking lake, well, and then not take anything and not fuck up she somewhere. She was found a week yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just crazy. Like I said, you never really know the motives behind certain things, and it doesn't make any sense. And I you mean, never know when you could. Get murdered. Well, I mean, you you over here decapitate the husband in the garage, and then, I mean, you use blunt force trauma on the wife and then tie center blocks to her and dump her in the lake. Like, it it doesn't... I don't know. If you're going to find one, why not leave the other one in in the house as well? You know what I mean? Like, I just... it, It doesn't make a whole lot of sense the way it happened, but it was clearly premeditated, like we just said, because... Nobody just carries around cinder blocks, but, like, I don't know. That's crazy. Well, and the fact is that you had to put in work for this to happen. Like, it was in a very nice, gated community. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't randomly just pick up this house with this family. Yeah, I mean, there there had to be some stuff going on. But, I mean, they interviewed, you know, the family and stuff. and Nothing. I mean, which, granted, if it's, you know, something crazy and more people were involved in this, you know, who knows. All I'm saying is a gated community means nothing, because if someone has if someone wants to get into like River Forest, they can get into River Forest. No, I know, but it's just the fact that you'd have to you're going through more motions than just driving into a neighborhood and doing what you're gonna do. Yeah, going through a drug going through a gate and you don't know what like cameras they have and stuff. Yeah, right. You're hopping a fence or this. You know what I mean? It's just right. Like you had to probably stalk these people for weeks in order to figure out. Right. But that's really all it was about these murders. I mean, it's still interesting that they're still open, technically. Only eight years ago. Yeah. They'll get solved 30 years from now. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, maybe. Yeah. There, I, I, the more I was reading, there really wasn't a whole lot of evidence. It's like this. the case of the Black Dahlia. Yeah. In the 20s, just got solved like 10 years ago, or in the 2000s, it got solved. And the dude was still alive. He was like 90-something. At that point, what? Dang, they got me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you lived your entire me. life. Yeah. Yeah. Probably still wasn't ready to go to jail, though. I mean, I don't think anybody is. <laughs> so this case is called the Lover's Lane Murders. Um, but there are two or three cases called that in our state. So mm-hmm. it's also known as the Juliet Lake Murders. 
Um, and everywhere, most places say that it happened in Macon because nobody ever says it happens here. Yeah. No. But um, <laughs> it was in Monroe County, not Bibb County. Oh, well, everyone knows where we live now. Well, it's okay. Most of our listeners know us personally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're over here saying River Forest. So yeah, you yeah. you copped us out before Katie. Yeah, hey, how many people? Yeah, how many River Forests there are? Or how many Bibb counties, <laughs> Monroe counties? Yeah. Are well, we just talked about Eatonton, and we talked about Macon, and, and Atlanta, and yeah. Atlanta. Yeah, they're starting to zone in. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just give you all my address. Um, no, we're not. Not, not doing it. <laughs> Send me something nice. Um, so the two people that were murdered, uh, were Michelle Cartagena, Michelle Cartagena, I don't, not sure how to pronounce that last name. She was 19 and her boyfriend, Grant Hendrickson, who was 22, they were both Mercer students as well. Um, a little side note too, this case was at, it went unsolved for two years, uh, but it's solved now and it was on NBC's Unsolved Mysteries. Like, oh. in, at the time, like, while it was unsolved in those two years, like, it was immediately getting coverage like that. Um, so, the, these two kids were found shot. One of them, I think it was Michelle, she was found outside the vehicle. And I think Grant was still in the vehicle. Um, they had been shot multiple times. I think it said there was 18 shots to the car. <sighs> and it was just, it was at Lover's Lane, which is a... I guess like a boat dock around Lake boat Juliet. Ramp. I'm yeah. not sure where at, but it's a, it says it's like a lookout spot. Yeah, because I can't even think about like where I would go for a lover's lane ideal around Lake Juliet. Yeah. <laughs> um, when did this happen? Uh, it happened on January 3rd, 1995. Um, okay. So they were going around. It was like a date night. Um, they were they were driving a white Honda Accord, and cars are relevant. Um, they were shot with a Colt 45 semi-automatic rifle the night before. <laughs> Two zigzags. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then Grant was also shot in the head twice with a 9mm Ruger pistol. Uh, Michelle's body was pulled from the car and dragged about 20 feet. Uh, police and the victim's family, like, it was just, it didn't make any sense. Like, they had been on a date. Um... But the reason that the car is relevant is that the night of January 2nd, the night before, they went to dinner and a movie, and there was a guy named John Ambrose, and he was a railroad worker. And he saw them on 75, and a blue Honda swerved in front of them. So they're in a white Honda Accord, and a blue Honda CRX pulled out in front of them and was, like, swerving and driving crazy. So John Ambrose gets off the interstate, doesn't think anything of it. Just thinks that this guy's like a crazy driver. So later on, Michelle and Grant go to dinner. They go to their movie and they pull out to the lake. Well, somewhere along the road, like to the lake where they pulled in, John Ambrose is driving by again and sees them again. It's and, like good old Monroe County folks. Yes. yes. <laughs> T- keeping tabs. <laughs> well, so he sees the white Honda Accord, but then he sees the blue CRX driving into the <gasps> into the lake as well. But he's just he just recognized them because he saw if the guy wasn't driving crazy, he probably would have never thought anything of these cars. That's crazy. But because he saw that, he put two and two together and was like, that's weird. Uh, so shout out to him. I know. He made a mental tabs. note. Yes. Um, but he also said that he saw the guy get out and arguing with the couple before he, like, went away. So he, he saw, like, a bunch of stuff. Hmm. And, um... 
He was trying to get a tea. Boyfriend. I just would not be that observant at looking at cars like that. Yeah. Well, so he gave more detail, and some of it doesn't really make any sense. But he said that it was actually two men, but one of them was arguing. But there was two men in the car. But it says that he got it back into a. They got it back into a white pickup truck. So the guys that were arguing were not the same people in the blue CRX. But he said it was a guy, it's almost like John Ambrose knows them, but he said it was a guy that had a crush on the Michelle girl, and he was drunk and being belligerent, and they were arguing because they saw him up there. But these two guys got into a white pickup and not the blue CRX. So maybe, like, he knew that they also had that car. Yeah. And maybe, like, he knew who they were. I mean, Monroe County back then was, like, everybody knew everybody. Like, it, it was real, like hometown moments like now it's a little bit busier and it's not like that as much i mean it's still like that but but back then it was like you couldn't get away with nothing your mama knew right um going back to what you said about not being that observant while you're driving i found i'm very observant with who i'm driving around when i'm driving because thursday we came up to that red light and i I always like when i'm sitting at red light i always look at the person behind me and stuff well when I pulled into the parking spot at Walmart, the person that was behind me at the red light way down the road was pulling in front of me. And that shit was weird. And I always recognize cars that I've already, like, if I'm driving down the interstate and, um, like, at work on one of the slower trucks and I see, like, this white F-150 with this certain decal on the side and then I'm driving down Zebulon, I'll notice it parked, damn it, parked somewhere and... I'm very, very... Um, I'm the same way, because I'll see some, a car that I... When I got on the interstate, I'll see a car, and then when I'm pulling up at the red light before, when I get into, like, downtown, and I'm like, that car's been next to me this whole ride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm oblivious. Like, <laughs> you're kind of like, they've been next to me this whole time. <laughs> yeah. I'm Are they following me? <laughs> I could probably pass the same car, like, six times, and then... I mean, but if you saw one, if you saw a car swerve and oh, almost yeah. hit somebody acting crazy, you won't remember that. Oh, yeah. Especially if it's just in the same night back-to-back yeah. in right. two different spots. Um, well, so, John Ambrose, the railroad worker that saw this, he believed that the driver of the CRX was um, a light-skinned black guy and a white female. And that's what his identification was. Hmm. That's all the detail that they had. So, it, t- it takes almost two years for them to find the guy. They go through, they're going through pawn shops to try to find guns that were similar. They're doing, they question, like, their friends. Like, there was this guy who had a crush on Michelle. They do all this stuff. They can't get any leads. So, finally, they get a break. And they find a Colt AR-15 that was sold through a pawn shop. And they investigate hundreds of people. Who may or may not have sold and so they took dealt with time. this gun. Yeah, it took a while. And so they end up investigating this guy named Andrew Cook. And he acts very suspicious. Um, he can't remember the date that he bought the gun. He acts really nervous. All this other stuff. And then finally he was like, I'm not saying anything else till I'm with my dad. And so they, they couldn't question him anymore. He didn't have anything else to offer. Well, later on they discovered that Andrew, which he went by Andy... He owned a similar Honda CRX to the one described by John Ambrose. Mm. Um, 
They then they learned that he had an acquaintance who purchased a nine millimeter Ruger handgun one year before the murders. Oh no! And so they start putting the pieces together. Um, come to find out, his dad was FBI living in Macon, mm-hmm. and they called him in December and was like, "We need to talk to you and your son." And his dad comes to him and is like, "Do you know anything about this? They're calling me," and he's like, "I can't talk to you. You're one of them." <gasps> And they go back and forth a little bit, and he was like, do you know anything about it? And he's like, yeah, I was there. And so he's like, did you shoot those guys? And he told his dad yes. So his own dad dad had to tell on him. Because he was FBI. Yeah. Can you imagine, though, like if your kid came up to you? His dad had to, like, arrest him. I mean. Well, his, his dad called his superior with the FBI and then called Monroe County Sheriff's Office, and they came and arrested him. And it says that he was in a nearby wooded area after his dad called. But imagine being in that position. So he goes to court. Um, his dad testifies against him. Oh, no. Um, That's horrible. I mean, and I then, ain't got no sympathy for this man. He fucking murdered well, so no, he, he did I mean, try. I, know, I feel bad for the dad. For the dad. Yeah, imagine yeah. having yeah. to testify against your son. You're FBI and you have no, to testify yeah, against your son. It's horrible. Uh, he tried to plead like insanity, like his lawyer said he was insane. Um, a friend came out somewhere in the woodwork and said that he confessed to him and said that he did it just because he wanted to try it out. And he shot through a car 18 times and, like, drugged this girl from the car. And the one dude had two gunshot wounds to the head. Two different guns. Like, he's driving around with two different guns. So it's almost like he saw this car on the interstate. Swerved in front of him a little bit. And was like, tonight's the night. Followed him around until he found a place to do it. Um, another thing that linked him to the case was that she had tobacco juice on her leg where he spit tobacco and it matched his DNA. <gasps> Damn. Yeah. Got him. Um, Can't be dummy. packing a hammer when you're killing folks. <laughs> yeah. Can't have a fat lip pack and spitting all over the victim. Well, um, so his dad testified against him and after he testified, he, he mouthed, I'm sorry to the victim's family. And a lot of them just kind of like nodded and like Like they respected it it. yeah because he was fbi it's just that's crazy um yeah i mean good for him for doing the right thing right like that that's what makes this world good right but that would suck like i can't even imagine like even if my sister came up to me and she was like yeah i did it like i don't oh my gosh it's just like mine hunter when uh what's his face is um son it's insane. Oh, yeah. 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 Spoiler alert. Yeah. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Like, I'm a rule follower, yeah. and so I want to do the right thing, but when it's someone you know and someone you love, that that would be rough. Yeah. So, he was, he was put to death by lethal injection in 2013. Hmm. I think that's right. And, um... He was the first person to be put to death after Georgia changed their law of a three injection to a one injection. Oh. And so he was the first person that did that, and there was actually some complications because they tried to take it to court and was like, this isn't the right way to uh, execute people. And the Supreme Court... So he got some more time. Yeah, the Supreme Court knocked it down and was like, it is lawful to do a one injection, and he got sentenced to death. Um, And so his last words were... I'm sorry, I'm not going to ask you to forgive me. I can't even do it myself. 
And then he thanked his family for their support for being with, he said, thank you for your support and being with me. And I'm sorry I took so much from you all. And so those were his last words. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Imagine just though, like, what has to be going through your head to be like, I'm just going to murder somebody. Right. And how old was he? Um, he was in his 30s. He was 22 when he killed them, and they were 19 and 22. No, he was 21 when they killed when he killed them. Jesus. And his dad's an FBI officer, and he thinks that maybe because he's heard so much about it, he could get away with it. Well, I mean, just think about in Mindhunter, you know? Like, the little boy who finds, like, all the pictures and, like, mm-hmm. messing with a child's mind, like... Not to defend him, because murder's wrong, right. but, like, what if he did get messed up mentally along the way through his dad's job which also makes his dad hold like more responsibility to what happened too um this is a side note but uh on this page it's like murderpedia but y'all i'm i feel like y'all have seen his like mugshot he looks very similar well so similar not similar uh, familiar (laughs) they uh they cited a bunch of places and uh Will Davis from the Monroe County Reporters on here, and like people from WGXA and all that, is, and the Telegraph is down here. That's so, what's crazy about when I was reading about Lauren Giddings is like, I even watched a video of the um, detective questioning mm-hmm. Stephen, and he has that middle Georgia accent, yeah. and it's crazy. And like you see all these familiar names, and you're like, yeah. no way this happened right here. Right. I mean. It's- Oh, Biddick was sheriff at that point. Uh, Biddick was sheriff in this. They they yeah. talk about officer and it's, Biddick. It's Biddick that it's Carrie has to be as his dad. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was Biddick or he was sheriff for like thirty fucking years. Yeah. So that's mine. I thought that it's crazy because it's literally in our backyard, and I've never heard about it before. Yeah, right. Well, so my dad, shout out Sean. Um, my dad told me about it, and he was like, you should do this one. And he was the one that told me about the, all the FBI's dad, the dad being an FBI and how it all. He had to basically rat out his own son, and I was like, that's wild. I wouldn't have believed him. He told me someone died in my house. <laughs> 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 Shit had me scared for the first night I spent the night in my house. Yeah, because they were only a few years older than than our parents. Yeah, so it happened in 95. That was a year before I was born. My mom was like 21, 22. My mom was eight months pregnant with me. Yeah. So they were like around the same age. She was in Lux Grove, so. Yeah. All this Monroe County nonsense. Let's talk about the nonsense happening over there. Well, my dad would have been like still in high school. Or like he would have been a senior that year. Yeah, 95 was the year before my parents graduated. Yeah, so my dad would have been graduating. Like, he would have been in his senior year when all this was happening. And these were kids at Lover's Lane. His age. Right. So you could imagine that probably had a lot of people freaked out. And it went unsolved for two years. Nobody's going to go banging at Lover's Lane anymore. <laughs> That's probably why we've never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of just took it off the map. They were like, you don't go to Lover's Yeah, Lane you don't want to go there. <laughs> no wonder why we haven't heard about it. I am going to talk about the Wolfolk murders. Wolfolk? Yeah. 
Um, these happened all the way back in August 6th, 1887, so 135 year, years ago. Um, it was actually five years before the Lizzie Borden murders. Murders? It's just Borden. Borden? When Borden? I say Borden? 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 Murders? Shit. That's the lady who killed her family with an axe? Hmm. Um, I don't know where that happened at, but this happened in good old Macon, Georgia, Bibb County. Um, I think, think it was like right where the city is. It was like on a plantation, so it was like off in the probably stick somewhere or whatever, whatever you call it. But We um, are the sticks. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and it's about Tom Woolfolk, or some called him uh, Bloody Woolfolk. He murdered nine of his family members with an axe all in one night. Good lord. Yeah. Um, That's so, so bloody. Oh, yeah. It is bloody. Trigger warning. Just just so y'all know, because I, I might go into some death with it, so more than y'all have. So, I don't know. Go ahead. Um, but, so just to give a little background... Um, Tom, he was born, he was 27 when he committed these murders. That's the age I am. And like, I looked this up and I was like, well, that's weird. But, um, he was born in 1860 to Suzanne Moore and Richard, uh, Woolfolk. Um, he was the third child of only three children and he was the only son. Um, his mother passed away. When he was five, she apparently she had a lot of complications with her with his birth and never really got over it. So she ended up dying when he was five, and the sisters and him and they went and lived with a maternal aunt. I'm guessing that that's just something they did back then. Maybe the dad was like nine, taking care of these kids, and sent them off to live with the aunt. But well, she was probably a stay-at-home mom. You know, yeah, and yeah. got everything done, and and without that, he couldn't go to work. You know, with yeah. them being so young, and he was a, uh, I think he was, he was, well, he was wealthy quotation marks, but it turned out he had like a lot of debt and stuff like that. But, um, anyways, so after his mom died, his dad remarried to a a woman called May uh, Maddie Howard. And after that happened, um, Tom went and moved back to Bibb County with them. I don't, and that has a lot to do with Athens too. I think that's my like, that's where a lot of the work and stuff was happening. Um, but anyways, he moved back to his father father's farm. Um, and some of the like descriptions of Tom is he was hot, hot tempered and quarrelsome, and. Most notably, he was mentally deranged. That's how a lot of people oh, explained it. Explained him. <laughs> he's just a weirdo. Yeah, he was just like, yeah, he was a weirdo. He was just hot-headed. He got mad at everything. Um, but he was also described as sharp and cunning and unscrupulous. So he was like smart, but he was an asshole and mean. Multiple personalities, bipolar and stuff. Probably, probably. Yeah. Um, he did get married. To a woman called Georgia Bird. That's her name. Um, Potential baby list names. <laughs> and, um, Negative. But she left him three weeks after they got married. Oh, no. Worst thing that could happen to someone who's mentally deranged. And later divorced, but she explained him as being... Um, she said he wasn't crazy. 
he's just the meanest person that she's ever known. <laughs> he's just uh, like the meanest person. So, um, but going back, that's just kind of like explaining him. But going back to his dad and his stepmom now, um, they had six children between them. Um, they oh. had it was which I'll go through the names, but um, and this is kind of where the motive comes into play um he did not like his stepmother or the six kids because he felt like they were getting in the way of his inheritance Mm. because if his dad died which his dad he was 54 and she was 41 so more than likely they probably thought the dad was going to die first and if the dad would have died then she would have got the inheritance and then probably her kids after that but if she would have died first Tom would have got it. Right. But, um, so to get in on the faithful day of August 6th, between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m., Tom, that's when he murdered nine of his family members. He murdered his dad. He murdered the stepmom. He murdered Richard Jr., who was 20. Pearl, she was 17. Annie was 10. Oh, um, Rosebud, that was the one of the girls' names, was seven. Charlie was five, and then there was also uh, another Maddie who was eighteen months old. Oh! And he did this all with a short-handed axe. And this happened before, before the other axe murders, or after the other axe murders? Uh, before. So the that's one interesting. That, yeah, and this one didn't get as much. There's a lot of. Um, there's a lot of like weird stuff that goes around this because it wasn't recorded like the like the axe murder the the Lizzie Borden uh, that's a pretty famous like thing like didn't like the house burn down and stuff like that happen too like I don't it was know, a crazy but I know moment. it's haunted and ghost adventures go to that house yes. at one point <laughs> yeah so Where's that's that? pretty famous I I forgot I didn't look that up not but, in Georgia though yeah it's not in Georgia but um. So, Tom did it with a short-handled axe, um, and he did it when all of them were asleep. Um, there was, each person had a series of blows to the head and upper body. Um, they were all in their beds, except for the two sons who laid on the floor in their parents' bedroom, and then Annie, who was found near an open window trying to escape. Oh, shit. Oh. Yeah, and there was blood, bones, and brains all over the walls and ceiling like there was blood everywhere and then the floor was just covered in a pool of blood um so technically he was the only one to survive so he at one day broke he ran to um one of the sharecroppers house green locket and said like he like ran up to him and said hey there's this gang of people they're killing my family um I need help. And he, like, ran back to the house. So the um, sharecropper guy, he went and got people. But Tom went back to the house to make sure everybody was dead. And then he took off his bloody clothes, which is weird because he, like, went and got the people and then went back, took off his bloody clothes, threw it in the well. And then when they got there, he said he heard people running out the back gate. He heard it slam or whatever. So, um, like, over a thousand people came 
to the house. Holy crap. Yeah. And um, the coroner did a, um, what's it called? Autopsy. The coroner inquest, Uh. like, happened immediately. And suspicions were immediately put on Tom because he had blood in his ear, on his ear, that he didn't wash off. Um, I, I'm pretty. I think they made him strip down, and he had a bloody handprint on his thigh that he couldn't explain. And then when they went into the house, there was f- bloody footprints all over the house, and he admitted that those were his footprints. Um, some people so think. So if he would have stayed in the outfit that he was in, he might have. He might could have been like, I was just well, in the bloodshot. Yeah, and they and they even said like during the suspicions and stuff. He was. He had no emotion to what had happened. Um, there was no emotion. Like he wasn't like crying. He wasn't even shocked. He just had no emotion, and he also um, he was like super anxious and worried. Yeah, it sounds like this man had none of this planned out. Yeah, he just acted on violence. And then was he knew like, what oh, he was shit. gonna do. Right. But not how to follow through right i think if he would have kept his clothes on that that would have been more of a telltale sign that he did it because if you murder 11 folks with an axe you're gonna be covered in blood yeah but he yeah, already he went and said something to somebody it covered like yeah. you know yeah. I mean? which this i mean was there back, would be pieces of brain on you in this was back in 1887 and i mean right there's like this thing where like I went through more multiple articles and they all have like different stuff that happened and this wasn't as documented for some reason and like people are even like this is like weird like that this wasn't like it did make national news and then it kind of like got like stuff got I think like either it fizzled out yeah either fizzled out or people got rid of it for some reason whatever reason maybe it was people didn't want George's tainted to be tainted like that or whatever but um so the coroner and like the jury, like the people who were there, were like, "Yeah, t- yeah, he did it." Stop <laughs> it. And the sheriff covertly, like, not silently, but he kind of like arrested him and took him off to jail because he was going to get lynched by a thousand people. Mm. Like they wanted to hang him right there, right and then and there, um, without going to trial. But this um, story ended up making like national news, and it made it all the way like to New York Times. And they called it the bloodiest, blackest chapters in Georgia's criminal history. Wow. There's also a lot of other scriptures, but that that one was the coolest. But, um, so, the trials get a little bit more wild because um, he had, like, two mistrials. And he had to go through multiple trials. Jeez. So bear with me because I've I tried to look through all these articles and see what the best was, but they all like said something different, and they all had different facts at different parts in the thing. So either somebody got it wrong or nobody knew exactly what was going on. But um, the first trial was in December of eighteen eighty seven, and this the whole time Tom said he wasn't guilty, like the whole time he like they didn't do a thing where. Back then, the defendant couldn't go on to the, um, where they go to talk in the, the courtroom? The, the stand. The stand, yeah. But they could make statements. Like, yeah. I guess, like, lasting statements. Like, this is the statement they said. And his statement was he wasn't guilty. Um, so, like, I think this time they put out all, like, 
the evidence and everything and the jury went to deliberate and within 15 minutes they convicted him and mm. sentenced him to death um, I mean they knew this was going to happen yeah, yeah. but I saw that this like court case was so crazy that they didn't have enough room with all the people that were trying to get into the court and like towards the end of the like it's like the final arguments or final statements and everything there was multiple people yelling hang him Mm-hmm. And the court wasn't stopping it. So that, among other things, made it this uh, Georgia Supreme Court ruled it um, as a mistrial because of like that hang him and stuff like that could like affect the jury's, I guess, deliberation and stuff like yeah. that or something like that. Um, so they ended up, and this was all going on in Macon, but. They ended up redoing the trial, and they gave him, they granted him a change of venue, so it went to Perry, Georgia, mm-hmm. and they'd had another trial where he was convicted and sentenced to death, and this time, that was in, um, that was in June, and then in July, the Supreme Court, Georgia Supreme Court, they, they held up the conviction and the sentence. So on October 1890, he was hung in front of 10,000 people. Jeez. That's a lot of people. That's a people, lot people showed up for of this people. One, boy. Yeah. yeah. And um, right before they dropped the trap, this is what he said. Um, he said, I, Thomas G. Woolfolk, realize the existence of an infinite, wise, and holy God. And so as to meet him, knowing all that I have ever done, and fully understand that I must stand before the judgment bar of God and that today in a few hours I shall be called on to his presence do solemnly declare my innocence and leave as my last declaration that I did not take the life of my father and any member of his family or have any knowledge of the person or persons who did this murderous deed signed Thomas G. Woolfolk pull and he shit himself when his soul started going down no actually <laughs> His neck did not break when he got home. <gasps> oh. God was like, he, I am your, he <laughs> your master. He sat there for 15 minutes strangling to death. Oh, God. And, um, and 10,000 people like, he, yes. He said he hung at 131, something like that, and wasn't pronounced dead until 212. Jeez. PM. Um, a little side note. Somebody was arrested on the side as a accomplice to the murders. It was a Jackson Du Bois, and he was a sharecropper's son of the, his dad, Richard, of Tom's dad, Richard. Um, but through a lot of other stuff, the charges got dropped, and he was sent to an insane asylum. Uh-huh. So his probably, his probably wasn't any better. But Yeah, probably not. That was the uh, wolf folk. It just Woolfolk. Woolfolk. It baffles me. Like I it, it does make me think that there's someone with them because that's a lot of people to murder and for none of them to hours. escape. Yeah, in this span of two hours. So Like you can't be that fast at it, I don't think. Well, it said that he was murdering these people in their sleep, right? Yeah. 
So, yeah, but I mean, once who knows the how many first, yeah, but if I'm laying next to you and somebody starts hacking away at me, I, I probably should say that differently. But no, you're I mean, gonna wake up and notice. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, I mean, if he it's, was quick about it on oh, two people yeah. laying in the right, and who knows? Because I mean, you said that the sister woke up and was trying to get out the window, so obviously, yeah. people started waking up when they started hearing things going on inside oh, the uh, house. Dang it! There was one other. I forgot the other. There was a. Um, it was. Maddie Wolfolk, the stepmom's aunt, she also died. She was 84 years old. Her name was Temperance West. Mm. Wow. Yeah. My, the roughest thing is the baby, man. I, yeah. Ugh. 18 months old. Right. I mean, even that, 5 years old, 7 years old, 10 years old. Like, any mean, year old. Yeah, any year old, really. But that's rough. That's real rough. Yeah, that's messed up. But that was, I think it's like one of the first, maybe documented, I guess, like this, murders, like mass murders. It's like one of the first mass murders in U.S. history, other than probably like, you know, the Wild West, but, you know, like civilized history, yeah. I guess. And it's got to be making. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Big candy. All right. Well, I'm going to call it there. Um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Once again, we would like to send our respect to the families. Um, if you don't mind liking and sharing, telling us what you thought about this podcast. Um, if you have any other interesting facts on any of these cases, let us know. Um, let us know if you want another episode like this. I, I really enjoy talking about these things, and I would like to know if we should do more. Um, thank you for listening. That's the end of this side quest. <laughs>